Glory to Jesus Christ. Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Parish presents Light of the East, a program revealing how the Eastern Catholic Churches have nourished the Roman Catholic Churches and today's world in profound ways through their histories, traditions, mysteries, and spirituality. Hello, I am Father Thomas J. Loya, pastor of Annunciation of the Mother of God Byzantine Catholic Church in Homer Glen, Illinois, and this is a story of the Eastern Churches, an inspiring story of faith, courage, intrigue, mystery, spirituality, dissension, and reconciliation. But most of all, this is an expression of a great experience of faith through our unique divine liturgy. Join with me now as we look toward the Light of the East. Light of the East is also supported by Eastern Christian Publications, where you can find the prayers of the Catholic Byzantine Daily Office at ecpubs.com and easternchristianmedia.com, a broadband network for you to learn more about the Eastern Catholic Churches. That's easternchristianpublications.com. Glory to Jesus Christ. Welcome to Light of the East. I am Father Thomas, your host. Let's open with a prayer. Prayer to the Holy Spirit. Prayer that we say in the Byzantine Catholic Church before all of our services. And this is the prayer. Heavenly King, Comforter, Spirit of Truth, who are everywhere present and filling all things, treasure blessings and giver of life, come and dwell within us. Cleanse us of all stain and save our souls, O gracious Lord. Amen. We begin any kind of prayer service in the Eastern Catholic Churches, and particularly the Byzantine Catholic Church, with the invocation of the Holy Spirit, actually asking the Holy Spirit to pray in us. That's what our Lord even teaches in the Bible, that it is the Holy Spirit that prays within you, and cries out to you, cries out to God our Father, Abba. And the Holy Spirit is, as described by the prayer, the comforter, the spirit of truth, present everywhere, the heavenly king, treasure blessings, lots and lots of typical Byzantine-style prayer of descriptions. It's like we can't find enough descriptions. We just celebrated this week of Pentecost. Remember last Sunday, we talked about the descent of the Holy Spirit, how it has its roots in the Old Testament celebration of the Feast of Pentecost, the week of weeks, 50 days after Passover. And for the Christian churches, it's 50 days after, of course, the new Passover, which is Easter or the Paschal season, the resurrection of our Lord. It has its roots in the Old Testament, but also it comes very much alive into fulfillment in the New Testament when the Holy Spirit descends upon the apostles in the upper room. And we, of course, receive that same Holy Spirit through the sacraments of baptism and chrismation. And we receive in those sacraments the gifts of the Holy Spirit, wisdom, understanding, counsel, fortitude, knowledge, piety, and fear of the Lord. In addition to those gifts of the Holy Spirit, there are certain virtues that we talk about in the church. Three of them are called the theological virtues, faith, hope, and charity. And then there are the moral virtues, prudence, justice, temperance, and fortitude. All of these virtues are enlivened in us 
through the action of the Holy Spirit. And uh, as I mentioned, we receive the Holy Spirit through the sacraments of baptism and chrismation. We receive those gifts, and they help to activate those virtues in us. But we have to cooperate with that grace of the Holy Spirit. This is why we always urge families that when they have their children baptized, especially their babies, we try to urge that they stay with the church or raise that child in the church, incorporate that child, immerse that child into the life of the church, not only the sacraments, but the entire life of the church, because that enlivens what is received at baptism. Think of it as a seed. If you plant a seed in the ground and never water it, never nurture that plant in any other way, it will remain just a seed. It really won't go anywhere. And when you have the seed, that's the important part. Without that, there could be no plant, no fruit from the plant either. But that has to be nurtured. So the life of the church, especially living the other sacraments in the prayer life, nurtures that seed of the Holy Spirit that we receive at baptism and chrismation. And all of this enables us, gives us the grace to become saints. And that should be our one and only goal in life, to become sanctified. That's the whole reason for the sacraments. That's why our Lord sent the Holy Spirit upon the apostles. And the apostles through the church have transmitted that Holy Spirit through things like the sacraments and the ordination, the priesthood, and so on. So the Holy Spirit comes to us through the church. Yeah, the Holy Spirit can touch anyone. I mean, the Holy Spirit is God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, three persons, but one God. God can do whatever he wants to anybody. But primarily, he works through the church. The church, the faith passed on to us from Christ through the apostles, and then preserved by all the fathers of the church, or the councils, the magisterial teachings of the church, kept intact for all time. And by living this, embracing this, we move more and more with each passing moment into our, what we call, deification or theosis. In other words, our ongoing becoming. See, becoming a saint means simply to become the fullest or best version of ourselves. Our real selves really is our saintly selves. I know that's hard to believe because we tend to identify ourselves in terms of, uh, well, our foibles, you know, our mistakes, our sins, our failures. Oh, what do you expect? I'm only human. But to be truly human, to be truly our persons, our nature as humans, as person and nature, to be truly who we are, is to be holy, to be sanctified. And so on this Sunday, which is it's very logical that it follows this way, this Sunday after the Sunday of the Holy Spirit, we celebrate in the Byzantine Church the Sunday of all saints. Remember all of them. In the Latin rite, it's, it's on November 1st. In the Eastern Catholic Churches and in the Orthodox Churches, it's the Sunday after Pentecost. And we say this in our prayers, with unity of faith, let us celebrate a solemn feast of all those who from the ages have found grace before God. Let us remember all the saints, the patriarchs, prophets, and apostles of Christ, the martyrs and the ascetics of all ages. They intercede unceasingly for the peace of the world and for the salvation of the souls. Whenever we invoke the saints in the prayer of the church, especially the Eastern churches, we often do so in a kind of a sense of a hierarchy. In fact, prior to the beginning of the Eucharistic liturgy, which we call the divine liturgy in the Eastern churches, there is an entire rite of preparation of the gifts, the bread and the wine with a little bit of water, that will become the body and blood of Jesus Christ in the Eucharistic liturgy. We 
do an entire rite of preparation. It's on a table that is near the main altar in the sanctuary. Sometimes we call it an altar, but it's really not an altar. It's a table of preparation. In our particular church, we call that proskimedia, which means like a place of preparation. And the priest, together with the deacon, takes the bread and he makes certain cuts in it because it's a leavened bread. It's like a loaf of bread. It could be one loaf, three or five, it varies, but it's always a leavened loaf of bread with a stamp in the middle of it that has the initials of Christ from the Greek abbreviations, I-C-X-C-N-I-K-A, which means Isus Christus Nika, means Jesus Christ conquers. That's stamped, embossed right in the middle of the bread. And the priest cuts that out. That becomes what the Latin writer might know as the host. In other words, the main bread that will be consecrated. The other particles, traditionally, they were used for commemoration, put on the discos, of these classifications of saints and also for those for whom we are praying, such as the deceased members of the church or family or if it's someone living. In recent times, though, we consecrate all those particles together with the lamb or the host, the main center part. The priest places them on the discos, which is sitting there on the table of preparation next to the chalice with the wine and water in it. He places these pieces of bread as he cuts them out of the loaf in in kind of a strategic order. There's nine levels of hierarchy. In other words, the, the nine levels of the saints. Well, first of all, the Virgin Mary, and she actually has her own, of course. She has her own little particle. In fact, it's even cut differently. It's cut in the form of a triangle. The rest of them are cut in the form of a kind of a cube. Looks like little croutons. And the Virgin Mary is put to the, as you're looking at the discos, it's put to the left of the lamb, the host, which symbolizes Christ. And to the right of that is this grouping of nine pieces of bread which commemorate the hierarchy of saints from the apostles to the prophets to the martyrs to the unmercenaries and the venerables and all the way to the saint of the day. So there's nine of them. Beneath that, the priest then puts a row of bread which commemorates whoever we're remembering that day of the living. Then beneath that, is the row of those whom we're remembering who are deceased. So it's like the entire church from eternity, from heaven, and that which is on earth is all commemorated on that discourse with that bread. So that when that bread is consecrated, it becomes the body of Christ. All become one in Christ. And so all are represented on that discourse but primarily the saints, in which there is actually a hierarchy in heaven. Now, we may not find that to be, well, kind of real, maybe, I don't know, sensible, but it is. It's not that somebody's better than somebody else. It's just that there's a certain hierarchy in heaven. Think of it as the stars in the heavens. The stars are different in brightness. They're different because they're different in distance and size and so on. But that's what makes the beauty of the starry night is that all the stars are a little different. If they're all the same, it may not be as beautiful. It's the same thing in heaven. So hierarchy, things that are larger or smaller, are all equally important. And so we have a hierarchy in heaven, and we have a hierarchy in terms of remembering those who are saints, from the highest ones, from the apostles, all the way down to what we call the venerables. And we remember them not only in the liturgy, but in all of our services. We invoke the intercession of the saints because they're in heaven and they can speak on our behalf. And when we come back, we're going to talk more about saints 
how to become that, and how they are featured in the worship, the liturgy of the church. I'm Father Thomas Loya on Light of the East. Every day, Father Loya posts a brief two-minute Facebook video on the Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Parish homepage. You'll be amazed at what you can learn just by watching. Light of the East mission is Christianity's reunion. And to tell the story of the Eastern Lung of the Catholic Church, we need your support. In order to keep Light of the East on the air, you can make a donation now by going to ByzantineCatholic.com. That's ByzantineCatholic.com. And then donate securely using any major credit card. With your help, we can keep Light of the East's illumination bright. Seeds of love endure. Hitler and Stalin didn't. And now, a Szeptycki Institute Minute with Father Peter Galadza. During World War II, the Ukrainian Catholic Archbishop Andrei Szeptycki saved hundreds of Jews from Hitler's Holocaust. Kurt Lewin, the son of the murdered chief rabbi of Lviv, was one of them. In 1990, the Ukrainian Catholic Church emerged from 50 years of Stalinist and Soviet oppression. Lewin later wrote, The compass that guided me all these years was the memory of the encounter with Archbishop Sheptitsky and his brother Clement, two spiritual giants who by their example charted a course for many. The efforts of their lifetime seem to be destroyed at the end of their lives, but time has shown that the seeds they sowed resulted in a rich and rewarding harvest. To learn about degree programs in Eastern Christian Studies, visit shiptitskyinstitute.ca. That's S-H-E-P-T-Y-T-S-K-Y institute.ca. I'm Father Tom Coys, pastor of St. James at Sag Bridge in Lamont, Illinois, and you are listening to Father Thomas Loya on Light of the East. You are listening to the Choirs of Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Church under the direction of Timothy Woods in Homer Glen, Illinois. This is the music you hear on Light of the East and is sung during the Sacred Liturgy at Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Parish. Order online at byzantinecatholic.com. All we ask is a donation of $20 or more, which includes shipping and handling to Annunciation Parish for each Theosis CD. Send a check made out to Annunciation Parish at 14610 Wilcook Road, Homer Glen, Illinois, 60491. And may God grant you. Welcome back to Light of the East. I'm Father Thomas Loya, your host on this Sunday of All Saints in many Eastern churches. And we're talking about how the church presents saints. In fact, there's a kind of a hierarchy to it, but also why they became saints and why and how we should become saints. That should be our goal in life and to raise saintly children. Now, we can never make ourselves the judge of ourselves. We can never say, well, I think I'm holy. I think I'm saintly. In fact, I know this may kind of shock you at first, but think about it. We should never even say about ourselves, well, I'm a good person. It doesn't mean you're not, but we should never make a judgment about ourselves one way or the other, actually. 
but especially don't say, I'm a good person. In fact, you know, in the Byzantine church, a tradition is is to identify ourselves as a sinner. Actually, that's a traditional way to sign a letter. Like you say your name, and underneath it you say, a sinner. That's one thing we know for a fact. We don't know what our judgment is in terms of being good. That's up to God. And again, it doesn't mean we're bad. But if we make our own judgment about ourselves, especially if we say that we're good, it can open the door to a lot of blindness on our part about where maybe we're not so good or kind of a laxity, kind of slacking in our spiritual life. Leave the judgment to God. In the meantime, do as the saints did. See yourself as a sinner in need of constant redemption, constant striving. I'm not saying, again, I'm not saying that means you're indicting yourself as a bad person. Don't think in either or categories. Think in both and. That we see ourselves as sinners striving for goodness. Then we hope we have what you might so-called reasonable hope, although it's kind of controversial sometimes, but it's a reasonable hope that God will see us as good. But hope does not mean judgment, finality. Hope means just that. We hope. We don't know yet, but we keep striving. But we strive by referring to ourselves as sinners in need of constant redemption. We say this in our prayers. Let's look at the prayers, the liturgy of the church for this All Saints Sunday. Come, let us celebrate the memory of the saints and the joy of the Holy Spirit. For the day of their feast has arrived, filling us with divine gifts. With purified conscience, let us cry out with joy and let us sing in their honor. Rejoice, O choir of prophets who announce the coming of Christ and who clearly see that which is far away. Rejoice, O apostles of the Lord, fishermen who gather the whole world in your nets. Rejoice, O company of martyrs, gathered from all the world in the same profession of faith. For this you suffered punishments and fortunes before receiving the crown of victory. Rejoice, O multitude of holy fathers, by your ascetic effort, you subdued the body and put to death the passions of the flesh. Okay, and the prayer goes on. But notice it's kind of in that hierarchy again, starting out with the apostles, and then we have prophets, and then the martyrs. See, there's always that little bit of hierarchy as we refer to the saints in the Eastern churches. And then we go to the prayers, which give us some glimpse into why and how they were saints. And we sing this. The Lord has filled with his favor his saints who live on the earth. In their flesh, they have taken on the marks of his passion, which have become their adornment, shining brightly with the divine beauty. With our hymns, we also praise them as flowers that cannot wither and as spiritual holocausts and as a star-filled sky of the church. Receive our praise and sacred hymns as citizens and inheritors of the kingdom on high and the new paradise with the prophets and divine apostles, the blessed ones and teachers, the bishops and the just ones from all ages, the holy women, the martyrs who have struggled in the arena, those who have lived their lives in asceticism, the multitude of the just and the saints. By the splendor of their virtues, the holy martyrs have transformed the earth into a new heaven. They have imitated the sufferings and death of Christ. Okay, now notice what's being said here, kind of like the why they're saintly. Because they were filled, that says with favor in a sense, meaning God's grace, they were filled with God's grace because they were open to the will of God, and they took on the marks of his passion. In other words, they embraced suffering and asceticism, meaning self-denial, and they also lived by the virtues. So those are the three things towards becoming holy our openness to God, our complete openness to God, where God is first and foremost, and we're open to his grace, to his will, 
completely and at all times. And then it's the denial of self, the ascetical disciplines, the fasting, the prayer, the not indulging our passions, moving beyond the tyranny of our fallen passions. You know, know, the seven deadly sins, we call them the eight vices in the Eastern churches, you know, gluttony and lust and envy and so on. We move beyond the tyranny of those things and we practice virtue. So openness, self-denial, and the practice of virtue. Those are the three dimensions that bring us to becoming the fullness, the truth, the best version of ourselves, translated holy, becoming sanctified. And that should be our goal. Now, that goal does not mean that, well, we go off into a monastery or a hermit in a cave like the great spiritual masters did, and we just pray all day and so on. It, it can mean that. It can mean that. But it doesn't mean that's the only way. What it means is, is that as we live our lives in whatever career or profession or walk of life you have, vocation in particular, as a parent or maybe someone going into religious life, we approach those things through the lens of those three elements, the openness to God, self-denial, and practice of virtues. And you can apply that to your daily living, to your job. It's right. See, we oftentimes live in a very compartmentalized world. We, with all sincerity, want to be good Catholics, good Christians, good Eastern Catholics, Orthodox Catholics, Western Catholics. We want to be good, so we attend church and we do what we believe is good, what the church asks of us. But then as we go back to the secular world, our day-to-day world, we tend to leave a lot of that goodness behind. I'm not saying we're being bad people, but we tend to live in a kind of dichotomy where there's this holiness over here on this side, and then there's, well, the real world on the other side. And we live mostly immersed in the real world, which of course is, well, it's a lot of dog-eat-dog. It's a lot of banality, vulgarity, complacency, carelessness, etc. And we see that as kind of like the norm, then we do this holy thing on Sunday, or if we pray and so on. We have to look at life as fusing those together. Again, it's always in the both end. I'm going to go to work approaching it with those three pillars of sanctity, openness to the will of God, self-denial, and virtue. And you can actually do that in your career, on the job, by how you approach it. And people who approach their careers or their job or marriage and family, whatever, even even their leisure activities, sports, whatever, if you approach it that way, it goes better. You'll be better at it, believe it or not, because there is only one way to look at and embrace and live life, one way. And that's that sacramental liturgical vision, that incarnational reality, where we see and approach everything in light of its connectedness, how it's immersed in heaven, in the life beyond. So that's what makes everything meaningful here. That's what the saints realized. They looked at everything through that lens, that everything in its own way participates in and points to and reveals God. And so you approach it in that way. In other words, saints were people who were fully human. They weren't perfect. Only one is perfect, and that is God. They weren't perfect, but they were fully human. 
and they fully understood what life was about. They never stopped seeing things through the lens of the sacramental, the mystical. In other words, it's always connected with God, and that's how they lived it. That's why so much of what we know today is our knowledge, knowledge about the environment, about science, about medicine, believe it or not, came from saintly people, people who were monastics and priests and nuns. Yeah, that's right. There's an incredible amount of knowledge that we have today that actually came from people in religious life, especially the monasteries, because they approached all these disciplines from that three-part approach, openness to God's will, self-denial, and practicing virtue. And so they became the best at everything because those three pillars are basically the secret to becoming fully human. As we become fully human, we become holier and wiser and more adept at things. Yes, think about it. Think of all that is best in culture, art, music, science, medicine, government, law, everything. Everything that is the best came from this sacramental liturgical ethos. In other words, from the church, East and West. The church taught the world jurisprudence. In other words, what is fair? What is justice? What is right? It taught the world about caring for the human person, what life is. It taught the world about nature. It taught the world about law, about mathematics, everything. The church taught because the church was about the discovery, the participation in God. And that's what holiness is about. That's what it means to be a saint. So set your eyes on becoming holy, the best version of yourself, especially on this day of all saints. Thanks for listening. I'm Father Thomas Loya on Light of the East. To hear Light of the East again, visit ByzantineCatholic.com and click on the Features and Programs tab and on iTunes. Thank you for listening to Light of the East. We encourage you to tell a friend about Light of the East and to visit ByzantineCatholic.com. Light of the East is produced by ADC Media. Hey, this is Doug Keck, EWTN President and Chief Operating Officer. This is Bishop Ferdinand Cherie, Auxiliary Bishop of New Orleans. This is Jerry Usher, co-host of Take Two with Jerry and Debbie. Thanks for listening to the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. Thank you for listening. Next week, we will return to the light of the East. To learn more about Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Parish, visit our website, byzantinecatholic.com, where you will also find an archive of all of our programs. In order to continue Light of the East with its mission of Christianity's reunion, we need your support with a donation. Any amount will be a blessing. Please make out a check to Light of the East Radio and send it to Light of the East, 14610 Will Cook Road, Homer Glen, Illinois, 60491. That's Light of the East, 14610 Wilcook Road, spelled W-I-L-L-C-O-O-K Road, Homer Glen, Illinois. Or donate online on the homepage of ByzantineCatholic.com. From the Light of the East, a new dawn of unity is in sight. God bless you, go with God, and may God grant you many happy years. Oh!